how, how many of you are planning on coming to the nine o'clock service? Raise those hands high. How many of you are planning on coming to the 11 o'clock service? How many of you are still deciding whether you're gonna come or not? <laughs> no, uh, good. Uh, we're, we, we would love it if everybody went to two different services and not everybody showed up to the same service, so work that out amongst yourselves if you could. Uh, just, uh, this is our first time doing two services. It's pretty exciting, pretty fun. Um, and uh, there's just so much good stuff happening and we're excited to celebrate together, um, to worship together. I, I wanna encourage you next Sunday. Like I know that every Sunday you come in here with eager anticipation of meeting with the Lord. Um, but next Sunday, I would love it if we came in here hyped, like just ready to go and ready to worship and ready to get after it. Um, there is no greater day in the Christian calendar than Easter. Uh, it's, it's, it is our greatest celebration, and so my hope is that we can come in here and really celebrate together as a family. Um, I loved it this morning, all the little ones worshiping here. Did anybody notice the little ones worshiping here? Can I just tell you the future is in good hands um, we've got these little ones up front that are just getting after it in worship and are the sweetest little things. Um, I'm so excited about that. Uh, I also have some really good news. Um, I know many of you have been praying for my sister. Um, my sister was diagnosed with cancer for the third time. Um, it was not looking good. Um, the doctors were saying, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, and she went through her first round of chemo, um, showed up for her first of two surgeries, and they went in and they took all the stuff out that they needed to take out and they looked at it and they said, all the pathology reports said, there's no cancer left in your body at all. Um, so yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. So she's still got a long road ahead of her as she's still got another surgery and still has some radiation stuff. But as for today, there is no cancer in her body whatsoever, which a few months ago we didn't think was possible. So I just wanna thank all of you like, there have been so many people who have sent her and us just the sweetest prayers and kind things and just thank you all for praying. And, and I wanna raise our faith a little bit to know that God is able to do immeasurably more, I'm getting choked up, immeasurably more than we hope for or imagined and that he's bigger than cancer, he's bigger than our greatest struggles, he's bigger than what's broken in our bodies, what's broken in our relationships, what's broken all throughout us. And so if you have a, an area of your life today where you feel like, I just don't know that God's big enough to show up there, I want you to know that he's big enough to show up anywhere. Amen? Amen. Uh, and so today, Douglas and I want to uh, just kind of look back on this series that we've been doing in Galatians called Under Grace. And over the past, how many weeks has it been? Six weeks? Nine weeks? Oh, it's longer than that. Nine weeks, we've been talking about Galatians and walking through um, this idea of what does it look like for us to live under grace versus under the law? Uh, and as we were praying about this week, um, Douglas and I both felt like we needed to just kind of have a week where we just answered some questions that have stirred up from the congregation. So thanks to all of you who contributed questions. Um, we're gonna try to get to all of those, but we probably will not because um, I'm long-winded. Douglas is very succinct, but I'm long-winded. Uh, and so we may not get there. We haven't even started the sermon and we're already five minutes in. Uh, and, and so we wanna just kinda have a conversation, just Douglas and I having a conversation about what does it look like for us to live under grace versus under the law. Because, here's my, here's my concern about this series and my worry, 
is sometimes we learn a lot about stuff that doesn't have a practical application. Right? And so sometimes what happens when we study or walk through a book of the Bible, especially as thoroughly as we have walked through Galatians, is we have a bunch of head knowledge that doesn't translate to heart knowledge. Uh, and so what we wanna do is just spend some time walking through uh, some of the questions that have come up and some of the things that have happened. So Douglas, um, as we've walked, like we've been preaching this, as we've been preaching through this series, what's, what are you noticing about your own life and the wrestling of grace and law? Like what are some things that this series has impacted, like the way that you're thinking or leaning into God? Like what's, what's happening real time for you as we talk about this stuff? That's me. No, it's not me. Yeah, it's me. I'm just, okay. I'll um, fix it. Two, two things, and I would say that some of them have been as a result of Sunday, but also we've been walking through um, Romans yep. 1 to 7 in midweek, and so some of it has come from there as well. But, but the, the first thing is this pronounced awareness of law, of, of what it is, of how it operates in me. Um, but also how I use law against other people, um, how, how I hold them to, to account for things, how I judge, how I want to condemn. Um, and, and it reminds me when, when the scripture says, judge not that you not be judged, condemn so that you aren't condemned, forgive so that you can be forgiven, that the, the, the more I want to receive the grace of God, I've got to start walking in the grace of God. Uh, and, and, and secondly, I think the other thing um, is, is a pronounced awareness of the distinction between my flesh and my spirit. Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and I'll say a little bit more about that in, in some other questions, Ben. Yeah, for me, I, I, I've, I've been really struck by how often I deal with myself in shame. I don't know if anybody else is with me on that, but how often I condemn myself um, when God isn't condemning me. Um, how often I beat myself up for stuff. Uh, and I know that there's like, um, there's, there's cycles of shame that we all walk through. For some, it's, it's there's a moment in your past that you just feel like is unforgivable or that something's happened that God can't forgive you. Um, for me, my shame is oftentimes that I just am not doing enough. Hmm. And so I, I, I've really been struck by how often at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow as a pastor, I just tell myself how much I didn't do that day and how much I should have done. Um, and I just kind of condemn myself a lot. And, and what it is, is it's, it's that I want a scorecard that tells me I won that day. <laughs> That's what I want. I don't know if any of you are like that. I just want like God to show up and give me a high five and just say like, hey, today you were a winner. Um, and oftentimes I don't feel like that. I, I feel like I didn't get through half of my to-do list uh, I feel like I disappointed some people. I feel like I wasn't able to meet with everybody that I wanted to meet with. I feel like I didn't spend as much time here as I should have. And, and I kind of look back on my day and, and I just meet myself with the law. Uh, and I meet myself with shame and guilt and condemnation. Um, and what's been really good for me is over the last nine weeks, yes. as we've been talking about this, the Lord has really met me in that space uh, and just kind of said, I have grace for that. Um, there is a, uh, a gift of limits that we all experience, right? Uh, which we don't receive as a gift, but actually is a gift. And the gift is this, that I can't do a lot of things every day. There, every single day, I 
do my best to get through what I need to get through, and every single day I disappoint somebody, every single day I miss something, every single day I mess up in some way or another. I'm, I'm, I'm not sensitive or I'm not present where I should be present. All of these things happen. And all of that is the goodness of God to say, um, where you are not good, I'm good. Where you're insufficient, I'm sufficient. Where you didn't meet needs, I will meet the needs. Um, and, and recognizing for me, I don't need to be the savior of everybody. Um, some of you have figured that out a long time ago. I'm still working on it. Uh, I don't need to have everything figured out that I just need to simply love God, listen to him, follow him, walk with him, do the very best that I can. And then when there's stuff that doesn't get done, I just need to hand it over to him and say, Lord, I didn't get to this today, but I'm trusting that you're bigger than me. And so I don't need to meet myself with a scorecard or a law. I don't need a high five every night that says that I won. Um, I can just rest in his grace. That's been really, really good news for me. Um, one of the questions that came in, um, and, and I'd love for you to talk about this, Douglas, is, is as we think about law and grace, what should a Christian's attitude be towards the law? So as we think about the law, what should our attitude be towards the law? Because we've talked a lot about what the law was for, uh, and, and a lot of that has been the law led us to Jesus. Yes. Uh, but what's the law for in our everyday life? Like, just as we walk through our everyday life, how does the law work into our, our, our life as followers of Christ? Well, a Christian's attitude to the law should be to pay your taxes, <laughs> drive within the speed limit. Why well, is not so much laughter on that one? <laughs> uh, do everything that the time. homeowners association tells you to do. <laughs> Cut your grass at the regulation height and all those kind of things. No, um, J Jesus in Matthew 5 says that, that nothing of the law is going to pass away until heaven and earth itself passes away. And, and so that tells me that the law is going to go on. The law exists and that we can't as Christians pretend that the law suddenly ceases to exist, Right. Not one jot, not one iota, not one little, little bit of the law is ever going to pass away. So we can't act as if there is no law. Um, I think it's important in trying to, trying to answer this to, to recognize that the scripture says that a Christian is someone who has been born again. Born again. The Bible says that, that flesh gives birth to flesh. And so there's an aspect of us that is flesh born like Adam, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So there's an aspect of the Christian that has been born again in the likeness of Christ according to the power of the Spirit. If we don't understand that we are both flesh and spirit, we can't answer this question to do with the law. Because the work of the law, the purpose of the law is to reveal and to condemn sin in the flesh. To reveal and to condemn sin in the flesh. So the, the flesh part of us, the Adam part of us, the part that has sin, the law works on that, reveals the extent of sin in us, condemns the sin in us, and shows us our need for Christ. Shows us that we have need of a Savior, which is in the way in which the law brings us to Jesus. But having brought us to Jesus, and when we recognize that we aren't justified, made right in God's sight through law, and we trust in Jesus, then, then this is then all about our spirit man or our spirit self. 
as separate from our flesh self. And, and, so, and so the truth that the scripture teaches about the law is this, is that the law condemned the sin in the flesh, but that we in Christ were crucified in our flesh, died in our flesh, were buried in our flesh, and that death, crucifixion, and burial was to the law, to the power of sin. This Holy Spirit raises us up in our new self, also in Christ. The scripture says that we are raised with him. We live with him. Ephesians tells us that we sit with him in the heavenly places. And so look at the contrast there. You have, you have something that's dead, buried in the ground, flesh, and something that is raised to sit with Christ in the heavenly places. So that tells me that as a Christian, born again in the spirit, that I'm no longer under the law, but from the place we sit in the heavenly places with Christ, where do we look at the law from? From above. From above. Not under it, above it. Above it in the sense that we, we, we're no longer condemned by it. We're free from it. We're freed from the sin of our flesh. And we're free by the power of God to love. And the interesting thing the Bible says is that love fulfills the law. Yes. So isn't that weird that we've been freed from the law? Freed from the power of sin? Freed from the condemnation that, that tells us at the end of the day that we haven't done enough? And we're above it, looking down on it under grace and in a place where we are free to love but by loving we fulfill the thing that we've been freed from so our attitude should be to recognize that the law isn't evil the evil was in us and the law exposed the sin and evil in us the law is good the scripture says the law is holy the law is righteous that's how we should look at it recognizing however that its work has been done to condemn sin in our flesh, to reveal sin in our flesh, to bring us to Jesus, but now in him, seated with him in the heavenly places. And I pray this, that God opens the eyes of our understanding to see the extent to which our flesh and our spirit are separate and are different. But you, you will get that wall, because Tyler was talking about it last week, the extent he was talking about throwing his brother into the wall, which, which I think his parents now know was him, and went and moved <laughs> the bed and found the, the hole in the wall. They found the hole. <laughs> but, 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 that, but that perpetual war between the flesh and the spirit, as Christians, we all know what this is, right? We all experience that tension. The scripture's telling us that the flesh is dead, the spirit is alive, alive to do all the good things that God has purposed for us to do. Yeah, it's so good. I, I think there's, there's a continuum that we live on. And so one of the, the most helpful thing I learned in regards to law and grace in Bible college was the law always points us to Jesus and then Jesus always points us back to the law. And, and so we don't disregard either of them, right? We don't disregard law or grace. We don't live apart from either of them. We hold on to both of them. Um, the world is full of like these either ors, like these false dichotomies. I have to choose between this and that. Uh, and I find that the economy of heaven is usually a both and economy, right? It's, it's we've got to hold these tensions together. Um, so when, if, if we just live under the law, and, and believe me, there are whole denominations that only live under the law, 
right? This is their thing. So they only talk about the fact that we're sinners. They only talk about the fact that we're broken. They only focus on our brokenness and our sinfulness and our woundedness and, and all of those things. And they just stay in this place of law, which says I can't, right? Because what the law does is it reveals to us that we cannot save ourselves because there's none of us who can follow the law perfectly. No matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we work, we're all gonna mess up this week in some way or another. Even the really holy ones among us, like Carol Schaefer, right? Like, I don't know if Carol's here, but I, I bet Carol sins occasionally, just once, like maybe once every six years or something, right? We, we can't all do that, right? We're, we're all going to make mistakes. And so the law points to us to a place that says, I can't, but we, we don't stay there, right? So what, what oftentimes traditions do is we just stay there in this place of I can't, and we just live in this like, depressed state of I'm not good enough, oh, like I'm terrible, uh, I'm a sinner, I'm broke, all these things. But what we do is we take that I can't to Christ who then says you can through me. Does that make sense? And so Christ doesn't keep us in our old self. He doesn't keep us in this broken place. He lifts us up and equips us and raises us to a place that is higher than we deserve, which we are grateful for, right? We worship him for that thing, but we also trust in what he says. So when Christ says, I'm a new creation, I have to actually believe him that the old is gone and that the new has come. And so it becomes an issue of faith for me to trust that I am a new creation, that I'm not stuck in this place of I can't for the rest of eternity, that I am in a place of I can through him. And so the way that we view ourselves and the way that we view our others is, is through the lens of how Christ sees us and, and, and how God sees us. And when we know him, when God looks at us, he sees Christ crucified and risen, right? Which is really, really good news. That's kind of the gospel, right? Yeah. Uh, the next question, you got something? Uh, no. Uh, well, I was going to say, because there's a lot of talk about what it means to crucify the flesh, right? Yeah. Which doesn't sound fun, does it? No. Um, but, but some of the, 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 the recognition of what that's saying is that our flesh has been crucified. If we are in Christ, we were crucified with him. How this happened, I don't know. It seems to be that the Holy Spirit, I've got to remember to keep the microphone in front of me. The Holy Spirit puts us into Jesus. We're in Christ on the cross. He has us in mind. And that his death is our death. Yes. And then the flesh and all its tendencies were nailed to the cross. And so, and so that means that the daily requirement to die to ourselves to crucify ourselves in that sense you can't actually do it again it's just to do what has already been done to yes. recognize the truth that the voice that speaks to us and says live the way you used to live do the things you used to do do the things are wrong is actually a voice speaking from where the grave it's a voice speaking from the grave, and the, it's only the Spirit of God that can open our eyes to see that those flesh tendencies that we have are a voice from the grave. Yeah, and that's why our liturgy is so wrapped up in life and death. Yes. 
right? So we, we take communion every, every week, which I, I know when I say liturgy, some of you like cringe at that, but, but every church has a liturgy, right? We, we sing songs every week. That's a liturgy. We take communion every week. That's a liturgy. And so our liturgy is wrapped up in life and death. We take communion every week to remember the blood and the body of Christ that was broken and, and was shed for us so that we might experience life. We do baptisms when we move this one board out of the way. And, and, and when we go into the water, it represents our death, right? It represents our old life is killed and our new life is brought to life. Yes. We, we, we live into this. We sing songs of death and resurrection. Next week, we're celebrating resurrection, right? That, that there is a chance that every part of us can be redeemed and resurrected and new. And so part of this is just celebrating the fact that I don't deserve to have a new self. None of us have earned that because we followed the law good enough. But I get it. And so that leads me to a place of worship every single week of recognizing, man, how good is God? that this is the way he sees me. How good is God that he throws away, that he washes our sin white as snow, that he erases the chalkboard of our sin, that he keeps no record of wrong? Right? I, I, can I just say good news for many of us in this room is understanding that you're keeping a record of wrong that God isn't for yourself and for others. Some of you are beating yourself up over and over again for your record of wrong in the past, and God's saying, I don't even see that. All I see is Jesus. Some of you are keeping a record of wrong for somebody else. You're, you're, you're stacking up. Some of you guys have been married and you for years have been stacking up records of wrong against each other. And there's a different spouse that's winning each week or losing each week. And can I just tell you, that pathway is a pathway of death. The way of life is, is resurrection. The way of life is keeping no record of wrong. We're gonna just spend all the time on one question. Well, well I'm... Come on, come on, let's just go. No, but I, I, want, I want to talk practically because this is actually the third question, which is practically how does this yep. work? Because it's, yeah, that, that, I, I, I know that in every choice I face, and so whether this is the first thing in the morning choice as to whether to turn on the phone or turn on the television or instead to pray, yeah, or, or, or the last thing at night choice to actually go to sleep rather than to watch movies till two in the morning, or the kind of movie, or how to interact with someone, or whether to talk to the person at the gym that I don't want to talk to because my visual appearance of them is someone I don't want to talk to. In every one of those choices, I'm aware of three things. I'm, I'm, I'm aware, and this, I think this has to be the Spirit of God at work in, in, in us. Yeah. I'm aware of my flesh, my old self, my old self that says in those situations, sleep longer, watch the movie till two in the morning. Watch the wrong kind of movie. Watch the kind of movie you used to watch when you were 18 that reminds you of when you were 18. <laughs> Not just me. Nothing good happens. Nothing good. Don't talk to the person in the gym. Don't talk to the person <laughs> in the gym who's talking about a kind of politics that you don't agree with. Definitely don't do that. Don't ask the Lord, is there something that you want to say to them beyond them? Beyond the, the self sense of it. I, I was on a plane the other day, and, 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 and I sat next to two ladies who I, I formed a judgment on because of some things they said to me. And so I didn't speak to them. My natural self didn't want to talk to them, wanted to get upset with them that they were taking up all the space in the three seats that the three of us were trying to share. Yeah, Re really. I just yeah. put on the headphones. That's... I, I, that's not because I'm judging, it's just because I'm an introvert and don't want to talk to somebody. I make it very clear from the start, I have headphones on and I cannot hear you. 
That's what I do on it. But, um, but, but so, so I'm aware of my flesh. What, it's a little what, tip. little tip for everybody. What, what I want, what I want, what I think, what I feel in that situation. But the next thing I'm also aware of, and this has been increasingly as we've been going through this, is, is how the law cuts into that. Yeah. And how the law is trying to get in on my old self and to say to me that because of that you should be condemned. Because of that, you should feel this. And the next thing that happens is that I immediately think, I can't, I can't. I'm guilty. I'm a terrible human being. So that's the first thing. Me, the law working in my old me. That, But then sometimes, and I say sometimes, the voice of the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaking. Never this outside jarring, head-turning thing. Because I've learned that the thing that snaps my head is typically the tempter that says, look away or draws my attention from something suddenly, that the thing that suddenly cuts in, like it's been injected into my thoughts, hmm. is typically demonic in origin. Hmm. I don't think that's ever the Holy Spirit who speaks, the scripture says, spirit unto spirit, deep unto deep. The spirit testifies with our spirit. Where is that? Where do we perceive the Holy Spirit? Within do we have to use our minds to then try and discern what it is that he's saying? Yeah, that's good. A mind that discerns better, the scripture says, after it's renewed, renew your mind, be transformed, be changed, think differently, act differently, because your mind is new, and because this new mind can now perceive and apprehend and fathom the deep things that the Lord is always speaking to us, but we just can't get. Yeah. A persistent voice, a will that's different to my will, so it always helps if I thought, okay, this is what I want in this situation. I don't want to speak to them. I wish they were sitting somewhere else. But this persistent voice within that I recognize to be his voice saying, no, this is how I want you to do, do it. This is what I want it to be like. Um, and, and, and telling me that there's a choice to choose that. Yeah, and I think the, the voice of the Father for me is never anxious. Hmm. So if there's anxiety wrapped up in the voice that's in my head, I typically recognize that's not from the Father. Like, God is, he's pretty good, strong. He's in control. He's good. And so when he speaks to me, it's a still, small voice. Mm. And it may call me to action. Yes. But it's not a voice that is anxious or creating anxiety in me. Mm. If, if, if it's this huge, anxious, like, I got to do this right now or the whole world is going to fall apart, then I have to step back and say, wait a minute. This is probably not the voice of the Father. Lord, what are you wanting to communicate to me in the midst of this? The third question that we're talking about right now is can you, we skipped the second one, is can you share very practically about how in your everyday life you're led by the Spirit? Um, so we talked last week about being Spirit versus um, led by the flesh. Uh, I just, one really small, like, practical activity that I do every week. I have a little journal that I carry around everywhere. I'm the least organized and administrative person in the world. Like, my wife and Melissa and Silvana and everybody here at the church has to put up with this every week. I don't know what I'm doing unless somebody tells me what to do. So if I were to lose this journal, I would, I would lose my, my entire sense of purpose. I so I just make sure that I always have it with me and I'm always writing down, do this, do this, do this, which is why my to-do list is always so long and I can't get through it. Um, but it's, it's what I carry with me just to keep track of the week. So calendars and those kinds of things. I just have this little journal that I carry with me. And one of the, the, the things that I do every week is I, I create different categories for that. 
Um, and so one category is like grace, one category is home, one category is gravity leadership, which is the other job that I work, and then the other category is just listening. Uh, and I just write down things that I get a sense that God might be saying. Um, and, and one of the things that often happens to me because I'm forgetful and, and not organized and a little slow is God says something, but then I don't remember what he said. Um, I don't know if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night feeling like God was saying something and then wake up the next morning like, I don't remember what he said. I think he said something. Um, so what I do is I just write those down all the time. Um, and I just really pay attention to those throughout the week. And sometimes it's really weird stuff. Um, so can I just share with you my list for this week? Um, I've got some things on there that I can't share um, because they're just me and God things or because they're about a certain person. Um, but I was looking through the list this morning. Um, there is a specific leader that I came in contact with last week that the Lord just put a spotlight on and just kind of said, pay attention to this person. Um, like, this is a person I want you to invest in. This is somebody I need you to be in relationship with. Uh, and so I invited that person over this week to watch basketball with me. And we watched a basketball game together and hung out a little bit. And as we were doing that, I just started asking questions and trying to get to know this person better because I get a sense, I don't know what it means. I don't know if I'm supposed to disciple that person. I don't know if that person's supposed to be here at the church. Um, I don't even know if that person's a believer. Like, if they have kind of a mixed message about um, whether they know Jesus right now, but it, I know it's a person that the Lord is drawing me to, and so I'm just paying attention to that right now, um, and I acted on that this week by inviting them to watch basketball with me. Um, the Lord is telling me to rest this week, um, so I, I just am recognizing that I need to take control of my calendar a little bit, and uh, I need to not work on my days off, uh, and I need to just slow down, and so I was really disciplined this week about the Lord asking me to rest um, whenever I prayed about healing this week, because um, here, here's what we do, and Dallas Willard said this, we don't know how to pray when we're not doing anything with God. Like, there's a lot of people who are like, I don't know how to pray, and the reason you don't know how to pray is because you're not doing anything with him. Uh, and so what I often pray about is the things that I think God wants me to do with him. And so one of the things that I've been keenly aware of recently is God's power to heal. My sister was just healed of cancer through God's power and provision. And so I, I was just praying this week and saying, Lord, like, what do you, is there, some, is there somebody that you, I'm going to come in contact with this week that you want me to pray healing over? And I got this weird tingling in my hand, in my fingertips. I'm feeling it right now, in fact. So either I'm having a heart attack or God is revealing to me um, that there's somebody, and I'm just going to throw this out there because it may be somebody in this room that is having some like nerve things going on um, and are having like weird kind of connections with their nerves or like numbness in their hands. Uh, if that's you, come and I'll pray with you after the service and let's see what God does. Um, but I've had this sense of that all week. When I pray like, Lord, is there anybody in my life that you wanna heal? I've not, the Lord hasn't told me like a person or a situation, I've just felt numbness in my hand. I told you some of this is weird. Are you all right with it being weird? I think sometimes the weird stuff is the stuff that I need to write down because I don't understand it until something happens. I had a dream last night. This is, we're gonna get real weird now. I had a dream last night, and in my dream, there was a police officer that I had to find and show him where Wendy's was. <laughs> this was my dream. I have no idea what that means but I am paying attention to police officers for the next week, and maybe there's somebody in their life named Wendy that I need to give them a word for. I'm not kidding, that's how God works for me. Like, it's these weird things that happen sometimes, 
And, and I, I, I'd love to come back and tell you a testimony about that. So I'm, I'm praying that God does something there so that I can show you. But here's what I do with all that stuff. Even the weird stuff, I told you the weird stuff on purpose. I write all of that down and I just pay attention to it throughout the week. So if I come in contact with a police officer this week, you know what I'm gonna have to say to them? I'm gonna have to say to them, like, do you have anybody in your life named Wendy? Or does the name Wendy mean anything to you? And then I'm gonna have to listen to the Lord again and see if the Lord does something. And oftentimes, they'll say, yes, my wife's name is Wendy, my sister's name is Wendy, my whatever's name is Wendy. Or they'll say, no, that's weird. But, but I want a burger. But I, but, I, but I ate lunch at Wendy's today, and yeah, I, there's all these weird... So here's the, here's, this, is, this is the practical piece to all of this. The practical piece for me is just writing stuff down. When I get a sense, and sometimes I'm not sure if it's the Lord or if it's the burrito I ate for lunch, right? But whatever it is, I write it down, and I just start paying attention to it. So grab yourself a journal, have something, type it in your phone, anything like that, and when you get a sense the Lord is working, just, just kind of write it down. And, and, and I, think, I think at the root of what you're saying is a recognition that the Lord is always speaking. Yes. He always has something to say. The voice of the Holy Spirit is, 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 is reaching out to us. It's weird because even in the, the book of Proverbs, it, it says how long you simpletons will you lack wisdom because wisdom is crying aloud in the public places. It's a sense in which God is saying, I'm here. Listen. Listen. Yes. An, an alternative to the voice of our flesh. And, if, and, if, and if, if the only voice we hear is the voice of the flesh that we pay all the attention to, it means that our choices are going to go one way. Yes. But he's saying to us, listen to me all the time. If you don't get it to me, write it down and come back. I, I know I've got, I've, I, I, I've got a series of journals that are numbered. I've got to go back sometimes to try and remember something I sensed the Lord saying in 2003, maybe, yes. but didn't make any sense at the time that was this weird dream, for example, and, and, and just write it down and leave it there and, and come back, and it might make sense today. But I'm also aware of the times in which, which it's the scripture that helps me discern what the Lord is saying. You know, you, this is a ridiculous one, but you find yourself, should I or I, should I not file my taxes on time? Yeah. The scripture tells us, Submit to all the authorities because there's no authority that hasn't been put in place except that God put that authority there. There are answers in Scripture, and Jesus even in the Garden of, of I'm sorry, not the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's tempted by Satan, is, is facing this option of turning a stone to bread. And his flesh, I'm sure, after 40 days in the wilderness of not eating, says, I am hungry. I want to do this, and probably I can do this, but what is it that enters into that situation that decides the, the, the choice? It's hearing the word, the voice of the Holy Spirit that says it is written, and he pronounces this. He hear, I, be, I believe he perceived this within him, and he says this to the tempter. It's written, not just in the Bible, in a place where you can't touch, in the heavenly places, that the authors of the scripture heard also and wrote down. Yes. But it's written in a place that's above you, Satan. This thing, man does not live by just bread, but by the words that proceed from the mouth of God. And that proceeding from the mouth of God is a present tense verb that tells us that God speaks continually. Yes. And that 
is how we live, by the word that proceeds all the time from the voice of our God. And, and can I suggest that when we don't do that, the world goes hungry? Yeah. Right? We, we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. We are his voice in so many different ways. And so can I just give everybody a little bit of faith to know that you have all the authority of heaven to be his representative. You have all the authority in heaven to say something weird to someone and say, I think God is in this. Is there something going on here? That, that God does speak to you, that God does work in you, that God does communicate through dreams and through visions and through tingly fingers and, and all kinds of weird things and that all of us have the right to experience that. Um, I think there's some kind of um, belief sometimes in the church that like only the super holy people get that or, or only the pastors or only if you go to Bible college do you get that stuff. Um, that's not the picture of the New Testament. The New Testament is this is given to all people. The Holy Spirit is given to all of us in the moment of our salvation. And so it is present and working and moving in all of you. And so have some courage this week to step out. Have some courage to speak. Have some courage. Know that every, like this, I'm keenly aware of every time I sit down to have coffee with somebody, I pray and say, Lord, is there anything that you want me to say to this person today? Is there anything you're doing right now in this person's life? And I'm not good at, as good at it as, as I should be because I should be doing that with every person I have any kind of interaction with. Like the, the, how, how often I don't pray for our waiter or waitress because I'm more worried about the cheese dip, which I, I love cheese dip with the jalapenos, just throwing that out there. I, I, but, but how often, like every time you sit down at a restaurant, there is somebody right there in front of us that I know their name and I'm interacting with them and oftentimes I don't pray for them and say, Lord, is there anything you want to share with this person? So walking in the spirit is not... Um, it's not God's quiet until God wants to speak. It's that I'm not aware of his presence and I don't know how to hear from him. And so what I'm constantly learning to do is how do I hear from him? How do I learn from him? How do I listen to him? And it starts with this curiosity, right? I just become curious about what God's doing. I do the same thing with my emotions. If I'm having a day where I just feel really angry, I just start getting curious about what's going on inside my heart in that time. Lord, what's going on? Why, why did, when Claire did this, I acted like a child and shouted? Like, why am I acting like the kid when I'm the parent? Right? Why did this bother me so much? Why did this defeat me so much? And I just get curious and I take it to the Father, trusting that he's going to speak. Want to go to the next one? We, we, uh, we've, are we going to skip two? Yeah, we'll skip it. And, and, Probably four. Uh, I don't know. How, where are we? We're, we're, we're done? Are we done, Tyler? I don't know what that means. That says we got 40 you, minutes left. Those were just fingers. We can't. <laughs> we're like Keep double going. timed. All right. What, what uh, um, um, I, I, can, I, can I just say one thing about that, that just yep. on, on the back of that last thing then? Because so if we recognize that in, in every moment there's a choice. To speak to the person or to not speak to the person, to do the thing that the Spirit is leading us to do or to not do the thing that the Spirit is leading us to do or to, yeah. How, how, do, how, do, we, how do we make the choice easier? So, is, 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 is that helpful? Be, be, because I, I, what was coming to mind as you were saying that, I was thinking of Jesus in Gethsemane. He, he, he 
he takes his disciples with him and, and he goes away and he prays because this terrible thing of the cross is coming. So he knows what he's going to face. And he says to them, watch and pray with me for an hour. And then he says something very interesting. Watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation or fail the test or fail the trial because the Spirit is willing. And I think he's saying there that in every situation, the Holy Spirit wills for us to do the right thing. But in the same moment, he says also, but the flesh yes. is weak. Yes. Jesus has prescribed the answer to making the right choices. Watch and pray. That's great. Watch and pray. Recognize that the devil is the prowling, roaring lion, prowling around looking to pick on one of us. Don't walk around in the day thinking that that's not true because then it's going to catch us. And we aren't prayerful. And we don't have, sometimes I don't, I, I know sometimes I can't even perceive that there's a choice. But that we can perceive that there is a choice. And more importantly, that we have the power and the strength to choose right. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, watch. Be watchful and pray. So, so what we learn to do is we learn to practice obedience is yeah. what we learn to do. That's what we, and, th and that's when our faith begins to grow yeah. because as we practice it, we see, oh, wait a second, God is showing up. And what's sad in the church is like the only way we talk about that is when we talk about money, right? It's like practice tithing and if you do, God will bless you a little more, which I actually believe that principle's true, but I actually believe that's true in every area of our life. That as we begin to practice obedience, as we begin to follow where the Spirit's leading, then what we see is God actually shows up in those moments. And the only way we actually experience that is if we take the first step, right? It's the, it's the, the carrying the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan River, but the, the river doesn't part until we take the first step into the river, and then the river parts, and then God shows up. And so oftentimes, practicing obedience is when there's a moment where there's a choice between flesh and spirit, I choose spirit, and I follow where he's leading, and then I just pay attention to what he does next. And I notice that God shows up when I show up, that something happens when, when I'm there. And, and, and what we also notice is I have a lot more things to pray about when I'm doing something with God. And so there's this beautiful kind of relationship that begins to happen where it's not just I just read some stuff and hope that I figure it out. It's no, that the spirit of God is moving and working and challenging me and walking with me and, and discerning with me and I'm learning to walk with the Spirit, right? I'm learning to be with God. Um, Dallas Willard's uh, definition of a disciple is somebody who um, learns about Jesus and knows Jesus so that they can be with Jesus. It's this journey of being with Jesus. And that would be like my final thought for, for Galatians. One of the greatest questions we got was, hey, we never got to Galatians 6, why not? Mm -hmm. um, it's because we got bogged down in the first five chapters and Easter's coming. Uh, that's why. So uh, we'll try and we'll do something on Galatians 6. Maybe we'll do something on social media or online. Or uh, I'll just throw this out there. You could read it yourself. You, you, you can read you it, could, yeah. You could get in there. You could study and, and, it. You and, could... and one of the other questions, well, what other resources or books have you studied that you'd want to share? Um, read the book of Romans. Read, read the book of Romans, the first seven chapters, chapter 8. 
understand the therefore at the start of chapter 8. Read, read, work out why Paul says therefore again at the start of chapter 12. Read chapter 13, verse 8 to 10, where it tells you how law is fulfilled as we love. Um, and I would recommend, and not all of them, Martin Lloyd-Jones, um, there's an app. If you go to the App Store or the Google Play Store, type in Martin Lloyd-Jones, you'll find an app um, um, that includes all 366 of his sermons in the book of Romans. And, and you can, you can, but you can also you find go. the one, as I found once, that said, one of these days I'm going to preach through the book of Romans. That was like 1952 or something like that. Um, and you can type in a word like flesh in the search, and it will bring up sermons that he preached. You said that in 1952? I, I, I did not. Okay. I'm, I'm not that old. He I, said I that in 1952. I know you're not. That's why I thought it was, yeah. Well, close. Yeah. <laughs> you, I don't think you were thinking about preaching Romans. When... I was not. He did, and he did. All right, awesome. Let's pray. Can we pray? And we'll go into worship. I hope this has been helpful. Uh, this was something we're trying that's a little different. I can tell that some of you liked it. Some of you didn't. It's Okay. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's pray, let's pray and let's enter into worship. Father, we just thank you uh, that we do live under grace and that we don't live under the law. We thank you that your spirit is moving and working and active in our lives. And we thank you that you're not a God that condemns, uh, not a God that focuses on our old self or our old life, but that you call us something new, that you give us a new identity and a fresh spirit. And so I pray right now through the power of your spirit that you would stir up our hearts for you. I pray that you would speak so that our journals are full of ways that we're listening to you. I pray that you would move in weird ways like policemen and Wendy's. I, I, I pray that you would do measurably more than we hoped for or imagined because we just show up and get curious about you. And I pray that you would give all of us the courage to trust and to have the faith to know that it's you who's done the work. It's you who has died. It's you who has risen. It's you who has called us to a new life. And so we now work from victory and not for victory. And so I pray next week, Father, that we would enter into this place and your spirit would just be thick and that we would celebrate you, that we would worship you. I pray that there would be breakthrough in our lives this week because we're under your grace. And so we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. It's in your name we pray, amen. Communion tables are open in the front and in the back. Um, let's enter into a time of worship and prayer. We're gonna have the ministry team come up here. If you wanna pray, come and pray, and we'll wrap up the service together. Like a storm falling.